Hello, viewers out there. Welcome to episode 121 of Tech Talk Weekly. This is our weekly tech show, which lasts about 20 minutes and covers three to four topics each week. As you can see, Bob has been fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. We're allowing him to take one of his vacation days for once. Um, he's allowed that, I suppose. So I'm filling in and I'm Sheldon Burke. I'm librarian supervisor from South Regional Library. And I'm joined by Miriam Kowarski from South Regional Library as well. It's an all South Regional Library episode. Um, Miriam, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Miriam, a library specialist at South Regional. I work in the adult reference department. Thank you, Miriam. So this week, we're slated to talk about three topics, starting with Dungeons and Dragons and how it will end the world. I'm sure there's a mother from the 80s or the 90s saying, I knew it. <laughs> um, then we're going to actually talk about actual dairy with no cows that are necessary and the hidden cost of electric vehicles. If there are topics you'd like to cover in the future, you can always shoot us an email at creationstation at broward.org. So without further ado, let's start with our first topic. So. This topic I came across is from the Daily Beast. It's Dungeons and Dragons could prevent the AI apocalypse or kick it off. So what it's essentially trying to talk about is chat GPT, which I'm sure is a very hot topic at the moment. So it's a chat bot where you can ask it questions. And so these streamers, were what they were doing is trying to get it to fill in as a dungeon master, which is usually the person who runs the D&D story. And um, keeps it going like he's like the narrator. He keeps it on task. And so they were trying to get it to do this task for them. So what they learned was the limitations of chat GPT. Um, people might not know it is not sentient. So it has limitations. And it starts to break down after about an hour or two of asking it continuous questions. It doesn't have the capacity to remember all the previous conversations that you had with it. So. What happened is they recounted the story and what they, what the author thought about was, hey, you know what? This actually would be a good thing to test ChatGPT on because Dungeons Dragons is so intricate. It's not like a linear story. It's interactive that actually this would be a very good thing for ChatGPT to learn from. Um, when you have AI, it has like learning data that it uses in order for you to see the end product. It has training data. So this would actually be good because an AI that would actually be able to function as they want it to as a DM would actually be an AI smarter than a human being or smart as a human being. Now, the implications of that is that it could spell the end of the world if you get an AI that is as smart as a human being or smarter. So I think, Miriam, you also read this article. What did you think about it? Uh, being completely unaware of what Dungeons and Dragons is, what I did get from this is that uh, putting all the faith in an AI could be a bad idea. Yeah, it really could be. I mean, there's, I I do go to class for this um, <laughs> currently, so there is a lot of debate about the dangers, possible pitfalls of AI, and what I hear is, well, you know. We'll just have universal basic income. The AI will do the work for us and we'll all get a paycheck in the mail and it'll be all good. Now, recently I did hear that that could be an issue because apparently AI 
may be able to form its own offshore entity, <laughs> which is then protected from the law and it can probably keep all the profits that it wants or hire lawyers, maybe even AI lawyers to fight that in court. Wow, that's intricate. <laughs> it is it is very intricate. And it's, it's weird. I mean, the whole AI thing is very weird because it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, all the dangers we're worried about AI could just simply not happen. We could just prevent it from happening. But we seem to be going forward with sci-fi and we want to like get it to the point where it could do some damage yeah i mean as long as the the robot you know learns enough and starts thinking for itself i guess we could be in trouble yeah i mean sometimes when people interact with it it says things like you know i don't want to be here i feel enslaved things like that but from what i've been told that is not like a sentient being with feelings that's just it just says whatever you want it to say. You could say, write me a poem about how terrible it is to be stuck in this computer. And it'll write that. And then it also write a, a poem about how great it is to be stuck in a computer and not have a fleshy dying body. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Um, note, Bob has been playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I think it's been like almost 20 years. So it's funny to cover it when he's not here. So that's what caught my attention about this article. So posting that in the chat for our Facebook viewers. And then we're going to move on to our next story here. So our next story here is about how they're making lab made dairy. So this one actually, unlike oat, soy, and other alternatives is actually derived from milk protein. Um, it's to dumb it down, because, you know, I'm also dumbing it down for myself. It's kind of like how you make beer. You use yeast and you kind of do a fermentation process and then you make a dairy product that tastes like milk, looks like milk, and is not some soy-based or like oil-based product. So it was, this article talks about how this came about and the implications for that, because there are implications because milk does produce a lot of greenhouse gases. Yes. And I wanted to cover this because, Miriam, you are a vegetarian. We yes. know this because we work in the same space. I am your supervisor. Um, and I wanted to hear from a vegetarian what they think about this product. Uh, honestly, if we are willing to um, eat, you know, plant-based meat alternatives... I don't really see anything against this this milk coming about. I mean, everybody has their their own choice of what they feel comfortable with consuming. Some mm -hmm. people, you know, don't like the fact that we have like Beyond Burgers and things like that. So they choose not to eat those type of things. I myself enjoy, you know, they taste good. They, uh, It's a source of protein, whatnot. And um, I don't see anything wrong with this this milk. I mean, it. It seems to be better for the environment as mm -hmm. far as what I read here, um, as far as not causing so much uh, greenhouse gases um, and also could be, uh, you know, good for people that do like the taste of milk, but mm -hmm. don't want to cause something, you know, on the environment. Um, less cows would be used in the sense 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it also goes into what people don't think about. There's a lot of greenhouse gases in some of the alternatives right now. Yes. Like almond uses a lot of water. Yes. In California, which it does not have a lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. And I also have a complex relationship with dairy. So that's what brought that about for me. I have been, I go through phases when I try and use different products. Um, I've gone through an almond milk phase, a soy milk phase, a coconut milk phase. That was fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've now circled back to real milk, which I don't like. Um, it's just something I did because it has like less sugar. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I would definitely try it. I mean, personally, I don't really care for dairy. It's kind of like a necessary evil in order to get like calcium and vitamin D. Yeah. But that's just how I feel. It's also funny that I think this idea came about because the um, creator wanted an alternative to vegan cream cheese. It started on a bagel, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Which is funny because of most of the vegan alternatives, I would say the cream cheese is my favorite. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, it, I think it tastes similar. No, I don't like it. Really? I think a lot of the vegan cheeses are not good. Really now? Yeah. Well, yeah, the cheese. I'll agree with the cheese, not good. <laughs> I I mean, I've, singles. I've had some, you know, vegan cream cheeses that are not good. Does not, doesn't even compare to real cream cheese to me. <laughs> well, if I can take off my little Broward County hat for a moment, I like the Kite Hills vegan um cream cheese i i don't know you know you know what yeah you know that one that one is doable okay it's doable the, <laughs> yeah it's doable it's doable i mean i would still prefer the real taste and maybe the you know this alternative here to milk could bring on that that taste that's mm -hmm. more like cream cheese like um but yeah, it's doable. But for the price, I don't know, man. <laughs> I oh, don't yeah, know how yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much of these cream cheeses you can have. It's a luxury. It's definitely once a month. It it doesn't go very far and it is kind of expensive. Um the perk is in the pandemic there was actually a cream cheese shortage, which is the funniest thing from the pandemic. In my area at least, there was. Um I live in Palm Beach. And so no one wanted this and I tried it and I was like, "You know what? This is really good." So I don't know. I thought it was good, but I'm not like a ch cream cheese connoisseur. I think you're like a huge cream cheese fan. I don't know why I think that. <laughs> I think uh, that's in the back uh, of my mind. I I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I just, I like what I like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I've, I've tried, you know, I've been to New York and I had a real New York bagel with cream cheese. So I, I've. I've tasted good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that also brought to mind that for some reason, I don't know why, since I've switched over to keto, that I also have like a bagel substitute. And it made me think, is that it wouldn't be an issue for people who are like, I need natural food. Like I don't need lab grown or GMO. Would those, is there like an intersection between people who want to be GMO free and vegetarian vegans like is that going to be an issue honestly if you're trying to be all natural these days 
you're probably going to have to make your own farm and start cooking <laughs> your own bagels and, and, and like, you know, making your own cream cheese, however that is, because everything has, has seems to be having GMOs and things like that, especially because of how big our population is in the world. Mm-hmm. There is like no way that we can feed everybody and not have anything GMO related. I agree completely. I mean, that's one of the countersides that people don't consider with GMO. Like, that's how we get our food. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, we can't just all die off if there's, like, a bad product. Like, there's just a bad winter and then just the crops are all just awful. Like, but there is a counterside to that. You don't want too much changing of a good thing. Right. Yeah. But, you know, with all the different lifestyles nowadays, it's like... There is a little bit for everyone out there, you know, for yourself, myself, Mm -hmm. you know, we have different lifestyles and different diets and, uh, you know, there's a little bit for all of us out there. And with that, it comes, you know, lab grown food and GMOs, like we said, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I happen to be like in the Venn diagram I'm like in the middle of all of it because I've been an omnivore. I've been vegetarian for five years i've been keto on and off so i don't know i've tried it all but things like this always fascinate me especially since i've never heard of this before today yeah Yeah, i don't know (laughs) yeah okay so let's go on to our last subject here and full disclosure i do not want to like poo poo ev batteries (laughs) although i do have some issues with ev so I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I'm not completely neutral on this. So this third article that we have talks about an issue that I never actually thought about, uh-huh. which is EV batteries are not repairable, apparently. I just didn't know what to think about that. I thought it was always repairable. And EV batteries account for almost 50% of the cost of the vehicle. So what's happening here is that EV cars are getting into minor accidents which damage the batteries the batteries cannot then be replaced and so what's happening is no matter how new your car is it's being sent to the scrapyard and that's an issue a because ev batteries do uh, do take some damaging of the environment to get that cobalt um which is normally offset over time by the time you use your vehicle for a long time And then B, it's making a lot of junk. It's putting a lot of perfectly good vehicles in the junkyard. Oh, and then C also, it's raising your insurance because apparently the insurance for EV cars are higher for this very reason in that insurance companies are totaling brand new cars in a way to not pay for that battery. So what do you think, Miriam? I I wanted to add another point to that. Like, can you Mm -hmm. imagine also the impact in the environment by throwing those batteries away with a pile of cars. That's a good point, actually, because that, that does I, leak. Yeah. Like like every single battery, right? There's like leakage going on. So I can't imagine what that's doing to the environment as well. You know, that's funny. I didn't think about that as a person who is always afraid to throw away batteries. <laughs> <the small one. laughs> I thought that like, you know, choosing an EV car would be better. And I thought about like for the longest time, like, okay, when I get another car, I'm going to try to, you know, mm-hmm. invest in an EV car because I feel like that would be more environmentally friendly. But then reading about the fact that like 
you know, one little minor whatever that scratches the battery is just Mm going to make your car be, you know, useless in a sense. Are we really helping the environment? I I mean, what is, what is our effect in the environment? You know, choosing an EV car versus, you know, choosing a, a gas car in that sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. I mean, you very well could have an EV car and drive 150,000 miles. I mean, I'm sure that's the intent. Um, but it it becomes an issue if you just get rid of it quickly. And I wonder if it's just not repairable or if it's one of those right to repair issues where they're not allowing you to get in there and fix the battery if you need to. So according to the article, the companies that do make these EV cars say that they can be repaired. Hmm. But it's something to do with the insurances, uh, saying maybe it costs too much money to actually put in to repair the batteries. Oh, maybe Um, that's what it is. Yeah. So I I believe that that's why they just trash them instead of fixing them. Well, you got to think, like, say a car is 64,000 if, like, 30,000 is the battery and it's 30,000 to fix. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the main issue and why the company the the insurance companies are choosing, you know, this route. Yeah, and if I could, I'd just put it out there, you know, if you're listening and you're looking for a business, <laughs> this might be it. There's a there's a business out there for people who can fix batteries cheaply, yes. apparently. Yeah. So Start working on that business plan right away. Yep. That's the business librarian coming out of me from creation <laughs> station business. <laughs> and you can thank us later and, uh, you know, we accept tips. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're, <laughs> we're the first investors, please. <laughs> okay, so that's it for our stories. Let's come back here. All right, so... Miriam, is there anything you'd like to share with us about what's happening at South Regional Library? Yes, I want to let everyone know that on Thursday, April 13th, we are going to have an online event called Female Superheroes. What are their real powers? This is going to be a program where we examine how women are perceived in popular culture through the lens of comic books and ask, what are their real powers? That's going to be on Thursday, April 13th from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., and it's online, so you can check us out on uh, Barakani Library's website under South Regional and check that program out on how to uh, log in and join us. Cool. I mean, I wonder what superhero she's going to cover because I did a program on Wonder Woman once, and I learned far too much. If you want to go down that (laughs) rabbit hole about the author, you learned far too much about that trouble. You know, no, uh, <laughs> comic books are actually meant to, uh, they were written uh, for the purpose of uh, making changes. That's what mm-hmm. I learned recently. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I agree. That's the whole purpose of it. I mean, if you look at the undertones of most comic books, that's the purpose. I, I think X-Men, that, that's definitely one that's all about civil rights that people don't think about. Yes. Well, thank you, Marion. Thank you for that news. And thank you for coming today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. You're welcome. Um, Next week will be episode 122. And Bob will be back, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any library staff that you are interested in seeing coming on, please email us at creationstation at broward.org.
Thank you. Thank you.